Hi, this is Albert. And this is Luke. Today is Monday, the 7th of December. Welcome to the Telescope Investing Podcast. We haven't taken a look at a mega trend for a couple of weeks now, but so we thought we'd use today's episode to explore the topic of plant-based meat. Plant-based meat is actually just half the story, as we're also tracking a number of companies that are developing cultured meat otherwise known as cell-based meat. But we thought we'd focus on the plant-based meat for today. Yeah, this is a big mega trend. It's an area I know you've been focusing on personally for quite some time. I've been using plant-based meats for a while now, and I really like it. So I'm really keen to find out what other companies are doing in this space. Great, looking forward to getting into it and maybe learning a bit from your own research too. But before we get into the mega trend, let's pick up a news item. There's one that really caught my eye last week, and that was the news around Google-owned DeepMind's success with AlphaFold. DeepMind is the research team that built the AlphaGo program, the one that beat the world champion in 2016. As a British person, I'm really proud of them. They're based in London's King's Cross. Google acquired them a couple of years ago, but they've really been on the forefront of artificial intelligence and applying their deep learning techniques to a whole range of games. If you are at all interested in how AlphaGo beat the world champion, there's a wonderful documentary on Netflix that we can recommend. Yeah, it's just called AlphaGo, right? It's a really great movie. Yes, I believe the world champion Lee C. Dart at the time has since retired because he said there's now an entity that is unbeatable, referring to AlphaGo. Not to go too deep down the Go rabbit hole, I think that some of the great Go masters are realizing that this godlike entity can teach them more about the game. And so by playing in partnership with AlphaGo, they can improve their own skills. It's actually quite interesting, and it's how society will probably leverage deep learning and artificial intelligence and machine learning techniques in the future, rather than to replace humans, to augment humans. So we still can use our own judgment and decision-making, but enabled by the insights provided by some of this wonderful technology. Well, getting back to AlphaFold, what is it exactly, Luke? So protein folding has been considered one of the grand challenges of the last 50 years. There are over 200 million different types of proteins in nature. And depending on their shape, that determines how they operate with other proteins. We know proteins are made up of amino acids, and we can use experimental science to understand and analyze how these amino acids have folded into proteins. It's really hard to make predictions around this. It's actually proven to be almost impossible until now. Yes, because proteins are quite complicated molecules. For example, the oxygen-carrying protein in our body called hemoglobin is composed of four interlocking chains of amino acids, two of them containing 141 amino acids, and the other two are composed of 146 amino acids. Actually, the largest protein in the human body is one aptly called Titan, and that has over 34,000 amino acids in this chain. Yes, yeah, so can you imagine experimentally trying to work out how each of these 34,000 amino acids have folded up into proteins and how they're interlocked, and then what that big complex joined up machine is actually doing. Yes, the shape of the protein is very important as it determines what the protein can do and how effectively it can do it. So really the big success here that AlphaFold have had is in being able to, in software, predict how an amino acid will fold up into a protein. And then that enables researchers to understand how that chemistry is going to operate within the body. It's as much about predicting as it is about designing. So now we can start to experimentally design proteins to do things we want them to do. Yeah, AlphaFold demonstrated this capability at a competition that's held every two years. The competition is called the Critical Assessment of Structure Prediction, or CASP for short. In this competition, about 100 teams compete to predict the shapes 
of various proteins, and the predictions are scored out of 100 based on how closely the predictions match the actual shape in reality. So when DeepMind entered their software AlphaFold into the contest for the first time two years ago, they won with a score of 60. 60 was a great result, and it clearly showed that this was an avenue to solving the problem. This year, though, AlphaFold had taken a massive step forward with some tweaks to the algorithm and some innovations from the DeepMind team, and this year they got a score of 90. Now, 90 is basically considered solved. Actually, the result was so good that the organizers thought that AlphaFold was cheating. So they gave them a special challenge, which was a protein that no one had solved before. And AlphaFold found a solution within 30 minutes. The research team had been working for a decade to find the structure experimentally. The other interesting thing about a score of 90 is that's pretty close to experimental error. So where some of the solutions that AlphaFold have provided, where they differ slightly from the experimental answer, it might even be that AlphaFold have got the answer right and just the experiment was wrong. Evolutionary biologist Andre Lupus from the Max Planck Institute for Developmental Biology said, it's a game changer. It will change medicine. It will change research. It will change bioengineering. It will change everything. That's a huge statement. It is. It's probably true though. So what are we going to see change in society over the next 10, 20 years as these innovations start to commercialize? It's now within our grasp to design a molecule that will strip carbon out of the atmosphere and we mass produce that and we could solve climate change in a much more efficient manner. We've got plastics biodegrading in the oceans and all over the world for over the next thousands of years. We could design an enzyme that would chomp up those plastics and degrade them much faster. Yes, this is a really exciting development and one that could be a future megatrend. I guess we should share that there are concerns and downsides as well. Things like bioterrorism become much more real and much more accessible. That's really scary, Luke. What can we do to defend against that? I guess we need to invest in biodefense. Now a hobbyist with the right fairly simple equipment and chemistry set and the ability to run something like AlphaFold just on a cluster of Amazon servers in the cloud. Uh, a bad actor potentially producing bioweapons for tens of thousands of dollars, not hundreds of millions of dollars. It seems seems inevitable now, but I really hope this future doesn't transpire. The world is scary enough without this threat of bioterrorism. As Uncle Ben said, with great power comes great responsibility. And with the nature of deep learning, AlphaFold will get better as it solves more of these problems. I guess we can't go too deep into this topic, but it definitely does tee up another one of our megatrends in the future, which is AI and machine learning. I'd be remiss if I didn't highlight that my favourite CEO, Elon Musk, is very concerned about this area and believes that this is the greatest existential threat that humanity faces. He's talking about AI in general, not specifically AlphaFold, but certainly the company DeepMind, now owned by Google, are at the forefront. And that's the company that Musk is most worried about. I think we should move off this topic, Luke. It's getting quite depressing and quite scary. We had a query from one of our listeners in our mailbag this week. Ryan asked us for an opinion on a UK company called K3 Capital Group. Thanks for the email, Ryan. We hadn't heard of K3. Yeah, I took a little bit of a look at their website. They're basically in the business of corporate finance and business broking. I've got to be honest, Ryan, we didn't go super deep on this. Now, it's a pretty personal decision for me, and I think Albert's similar. Finance is just a sector that I steer away from with my investment dollars. There's a couple of exceptions, but generally some of those big old finance houses and the consultancies like K3 supporting them, they just don't align with the mega trends we're following. They generally don't offer the growth opportunities we look for. 
when we turn our telescope lenses on a company? We look more at companies like fintech and e-payment companies. So we don't really have a viewpoint on a company like K3 Capital Group. Yeah, but thanks for the input, Ryan. It's always good to hear from our listeners. And we do welcome ideas for other stocks to investigate in future episodes. So let's get into our main topic of this week, plant-based meat. Now, we've been talking about understanding proteins with AI, but proteins are one of the three macronutrients, right, Albert? Proteins, carbohydrates, and fats. Yeah, when people think about proteins, they think about meat and that part of their diet. But the mega trend that we want to talk about is in food technology, specifically in the area of alternative protein, which includes the subsectors of plant-based protein and cultured protein. Give us a quick primer on the difference between plant-based and cultured meat. Sure, Luke. Plant-based protein is using plants to imitate the feel and the taste of real meat. Most people are familiar with things like plant-based milks, like soy milk, almond milk, and oat milk. But we now have things like plant-based egg substitutes and plant-based meat, which imitate the taste of things like beef, pork, chicken, sausages, and even jamon and chorizo. Chorizo is a regular player in my cooking at home. I haven't tried a plant-based chorizo yet. You need to head over to Spain. They sell it over there. Do they? Well, I thought the Spanish were dedicated carnivores. I'm surprised that plant-based is taking off there strongly too. I think plant-based is taking over globally. Have you tried plant-based meats, Luke? I have. We've got some of the Beyond Meat products in our freezer downstairs. And Katrina and I try to be at least, I'd say, pescatarian four or five days a week. But we're definitely trying to cut big meat out of our diet if it's not the weekend. Yeah, I've been using plant-based meats for a few years now. I remember distinctly one time I went to a burger joint called Triple O's in Hong Kong. I usually have the Impossible Burger, which is a plant-based meat. And I distinctly remember eating this and it tasted so realistic that I really thought they gave me the real meat version. <laughs> so neither of us are actually vegans. I do try and do Veganuary every year. I did that last year and we'll start again in a few weeks time. Yes, veganary has really taken off. The number of people doing this every year is increasing and over a quarter of a million people now do it every year. So in the opening, you mentioned that plant-based meat was one half of the story. That we're not going to go deep into cultured meat, but just give us a quick overview of that if you could. Yeah, cultured meat is using animal cells, but growing them outside of the animal in bioreactors, basically, and then forming them into edible products. I don't know if you remember, but the first cultured meat burger was made by a company called Mosin Meat in 2013 and it cost $250,000. That is a damn expensive burger. Hamburgers, the cornerstone of any nutritious breakfast. The technology behind cell-based meat is progressing very quickly. Only recently, a company called Eat Just has had its cultured chicken approved for sale in Singapore. This is the first cell-based meat approved for sale anywhere in the world. This sounds quite scary, I guess. It sounds quite Frankenstein-like, growing meat in bioreactors. But actually, honestly, we think this is a mega trend. We think this is how all meat will be produced one day. Well, we produce beer in basically bioreactors. That is using yeast to ferment sugar into alcohol and carbon dioxide. This is just an extension of that technology to grow animal cells outside of the animal. Yeah, that's a great point. I don't think we'll be able to cover both plant-based and cultured meat in this episode. So I think we'll focus on the plant-based meats. And we'll talk about two companies, one public and one private. The public company is called Beyond Meat. And the private one is a company in Hong Kong called Green Monday. This is a huge market. It's estimated to be worth $140 billion by 2029. And there does seem to be a real big meat versus fake meat battle brewing. But like any innovative technology, it feels to us that the incumbent is going to get displaced. The reasons why we think this is the trajectory of food 
include are numerous, but just to pick off a couple. First of all, I guess climate change. Rearing of cattle is one of the biggest impacts on the climate. And we have to plow so much water and land into growing a pound of beef growing a cow to turn into a steak. Yes, I believe the UN has estimated that 18% of all greenhouse gas emissions are from animal agriculture. Not to be too crass, that's cows farting, right? Actually, it's mostly cows belching, but I get the idea. <laughs> I know that parallel initiatives are trying to genetically engineer cows that produce less methane. Yes, maybe one day they can engineer a cow to fart rainbows. Will there be a pod of turds at the end of that rainbow? Well, the thing about meat is that it is quite tasty and people want to eat it. And it's shown that as people's living standards go up, people tend to eat more meat. And the world's population is growing very quickly. There are currently 7.6 billion people on Earth. And by 2050, this is projected to be 9.8 billion. And quite simply, there isn't enough land on Earth to raise all the livestock to meet that demand. Thanks to amazing people like Greta Thunberg, the need to combat climate change is now part of the public consciousness and is especially strong in young people. One of the other big reasons that makes me want to eat less meat though isn't just climate, it's ethics. Is it ethically right to rear and eat animals for meat? Yeah, I heard a quote recently and it said, the shift towards plant-based food is being driven by millennials who are most likely to consider the food source, animal welfare issues and environmental impacts when making their purchasing decisions. It does make me think a little bit about the adoption of seatbelts in cars in 1983. At the point where we've made that cultural change, which might be 10 or 20 years from now, I think we'll look back at the rearing of animals for meat as being idiosyncratic. I do feel that we're on a trajectory to potentially making it illegal to rear animals for meat one day. Actually, the path of meat is reminiscent to the path of tobacco for me. The tobacco was once used widely in the West and the health risks were denied by the manufacturers. Although the evidence was so strong that the use in the West started to go down and manufacturers had to go to developing nations to build their sales. And now developing nations are starting to catch on and tobacco use is decreasing very quickly. And I see the same thing happening to meat consumption as we learn more about the health risks in eating meat. Yeah, it definitely seems like some of the big tobacco playbook is being pulled by the big meat producers today as they try and hang on to their legacy foothold in the food supply chain. Yes, there have been advances in nutrition knowledge and the public are more aware of the health risks of eating too much meat. Actually, one of the recommendations made by the World Cancer Research Fund in preventing cancer is to limit the amount of red and processed meat that you eat. Let's not forget some of the lessons of COVID-19 and the suspicion that some diseases have transmitted from animal to human population. If we're growing meat using cultured or plant-based techniques, it's much more likely likely to be safer. And because of all these reasons, the demand for plant-based foods is skyrocketing in the US and other developed nations. Actually, IKEA has pledged that 50% of its restaurant food and 80% of its packaged foods will be plant-based by 2025. Let's get into one or two potential investments. And again, just to reflect on the size of the total addressable market, predicted to be $140 billion by 2029. This is a huge opportunity from an investment perspective. So I'll do a bit of a light overview of a company I've got in my portfolio, Beyond Meat. I'm sure you're very familiar with Beyond Meat, Albert. They had a really celebrated IPO last year in May 2019. Yeah, it was quite a eventful IPO. I believe the IPO price was $25. And on the first day, it shot up to $66. And within two months, it had risen to $235. Yeah, nine times return. They've given back a lot of that ground since. And today their market cap is just under $9 billion and they're trading at 29 times revenues. So Beyond Meat are one of the very few companies 
companies that are public listed that you can invest in in the plant-based and cultured meat space. But it's worth saying they're struggling a little bit, particularly in the last couple of quarters as we've been in the depths of the coronavirus pandemic. I use Beyond Meat in my own cooking and I quite like it, but there are a lot of other options now. And I actually prefer the Impossible Beef product. Can you buy Impossible Burgers in Hong Kong today? Yes, they weren't available until a few months ago, but now they are widely available in supermarkets across Hong Kong. We don't have Impossible in the UK as far as I have seen so far. Beyond is the main new product, I would say. They've got a range of burgers, meatballs, different kinds of sausages, and they also do a mint meat product for general cooking. I think Beyond are probably the premier plant-based protein company, but there are a whole load of veggie alternatives, mostly based on slightly older technologies involving corn and tofu and products like that. I think Beyond is probably the most realistic burger you can buy in a UK supermarket today. Even though these burgers are plant-based, they are not necessarily healthy. They still contain a lot of fat and calories. Actually, one of my friends in Hong Kong, he has the Impossible Burger quite often at Triple O's. I think he believes that because it's plant-based, it's healthy. So he orders an Impossible Burger with a slice of bacon and a side of chicken strips. <laughs> you got a whole range of ethics just within one bun. This person knows who he is. I don't know if you've cooked a Beyond Burger or an Impossible Burger at home. When you cook it, it's like cooking a real burger. There's a ton of fat comes rolling out of the thing. It's definitely not a health product. It's probably best treated as another form of fast food. And the other thing that I was a little bit disappointed with is just in terms of how Beyond products have ended up in the supermarkets. Beyond's competition is not companies like Impossible and the other veggie products. Beyond's competition is the meat industry and real burgers. And I was kind of led to believe as a shareholder that Beyond would be positioning their products in supermarkets on the meat shelf next to the meat burgers. But that doesn't seem to have transpired, at least in UK supermarkets. They're off parked in the veggie and non-meat section with the other meat-free alternatives. So it hasn't really put Beyond products front and centre in the way I'd hoped. This is still a small industry and they're struggling against the traditional meat incumbents. But I think that'll start to turn. And although competition is proving to be a bit of a drag on Beyond Meat and impacting their growth, certainly over the last few quarters, it's probably good to have a whole range of products like Impossible and some of the cultured meat products that are starting to come through now as we try and change consumer sentiment and get people to adopt these products more widely into their diet. I also hear that McDonald's are about to release a plant-based burger called the McPlant. Yeah, it's quite an interesting bit of history there between Beyond Meat and McDonald's. They did a pretty big trial in Canada early this year, and they ended up rolling out Beyond Burgers. I think they called it the PLT, Plant Lettuce and Tomato. They rolled that out to 50 different Canadian branches to see how it ran as a trial. And I guess it was pretty successful because McDonald's are now going to roll out plant-based products across their whole footprint. But unfortunately, it looks like they're not going to be using using Beyond's technology or a partnership with Beyond. I have to say that the name McPlant is a terrible name and I really hope this doesn't discourage people from trying it. It might actually be good. In my mind, I associate McDonald's with drunken hangovers and regrets of the night before, but I would go check out a McPlant if it was available in the UK. But I believe that Beyond is also expanding into other regions. I hear that they are partnering with Starbucks in China to offer Beyond Meat based products in their restaurants. I think these partnerships with restaurants, as well as trying to ship their products through retail, that's their two main sales channels. As I was reflecting on their Q3 results recently, they're struggling in both of those areas. 
As you can imagine, coronavirus has hit restaurants really hard around the world and their revenues in that sector are down, but the revenues are also down in retail. And the CEO, Ethan Brown, was quoted as saying that they had a huge Q2 because consumers were stockpiling their products in fear of perhaps broken supply chains during the middle of the coronavirus pandemic. But now that panic buying is over, Beyond have struggled in Q3 with their sales, I guess, because people are still working their way through the backlog they've got in their own fridge. It actually means that Beyond have got something like $130 million of inventory sat in their warehouses, and that oversupply has damaged their numbers in the recent results. I really hope they can shift this product. I don't believe plant-based meat keeps forever. Yeah, for sure. And this is not a high margin business, food production. Maybe just to sort of wrap this up with my own personal perspective on Beyond, I was really positive for the reasons of all of the tailwinds we cited earlier in the episode. And I got into Beyond Meat myself just after the IPO. It's also one of those story stocks that I've recommended to family members with children for their own portfolios. But actually, having done the research for today's episode and refreshed myself on the company, I'm rethinking that a little bit. I don't think I'm ready to sell my Beyond stock, but this is certainly not something I'm going to continue to plow additional investment funds into right now. Yeah, and Beyond is quite richly valued. Its current market capitalization is about 8.75 billion US dollars. A price to sales ratio of 29 for a food producer is very high. It is. Those are the sort of numbers reserved for software as a service type companies where you can grow at a super fast rate. When you're producing physical goods and they're sat in a warehouse and possibly they're going to hit their expiry date, that's a much harder business to scale. I'm invested in Beyond Meat because it's one of the only public investments in this space at the moment, but there is a lot of competition coming through. Albert, why don't you tell us about one of the companies that's currently private that could be a potential future investment opportunity. Yes, there's a company called Green Monday here in Hong Kong. Green Monday was founded by a guy called David Young, who still serves as its CEO. The company was founded in 2012, and it's a social venture that aims to tackle the problems of climate change, global food insecurity, public health, and animal welfare. On their website, they say their vision is to be a global change maker for a sustainable future. And its mission is to construct a multifaceted global ecosystem of future food that combats climate change, food insecurity, public health crises, planetary devastation, and animal suffering. That's quite a mouthful. That mission statement is a real mouthful. That's bigger than a double beyond burger. Actually, the name Green Monday comes from the idea of having one plant-based day a week. So what products do they actually produce? Their main product is a plant-based meat called Omnipork, which is also marketed as Omni-meat, especially in the countries with a sizable Muslim population. Omnipork is made from a blend of soy, pea, and rice protein and other natural ingredients. And because it's plant-based and contains no meat, it is certified as vegan-friendly and also halal-certified and kosher. And I guess pork is quite an interesting product if you're trying to launch into a Chinese market. Yes, China has a massive appetite for pork. Half the world's pork is eaten in China. That's a lot of pigs. Actually, would you be surprised to know that Hong Kong has the highest consumption of meat per capita in the world? What? I thought that was like Argentina or somewhere. No. According to some estimates, Hong Kong people eat around 660 grams of meat per person per day. Jeez, how is everybody so slim and healthy looking? Hong Kong girls don't eat rice. <laughs> <laughs> But in a recent survey this year, 34% of the Hong Kong population claim to practice either a plant-based diet or a flexitarian diet. But I would take this number with a pinch of salt as there's no official definition of a flexitarian. Yeah, maybe a, with a pinch of MSG there. And there's a growing demand in China for meatless foods and Green Monday have a lead start in that market. So how do Green Monday get their products to consumers? Do they partner with any retail outlets? Yes, they've been trying to expand throughout Asia over the last few years. They work with celebrities who serve as a ambassadors for the Green Monday brand and 
its initiatives. And they have partnered with various companies to get their products out to the market. For example, Green Monday have partnered with McDonald's to offer their Omni pork luncheon meat in McDonald's breakfast across their 235 locations in Hong Kong. They have partnered with 7-Eleven to offer Omni pork ready meals across their 800 locations in Hong Kong. And in other countries, they have partnered with Taiwan's largest food chain, Baifang Yunji, to offer Omni pork dumplings in over a thousand locations. They say that over a million of these dumplings are eaten per week. I suppose similar to Beyond, none of these seem like premier products. I wouldn't say that, Luke. Omnipork is not just used in chain restaurants. It's also used in some high-quality restaurants, even ones with Michelin stars. Okay, great. Green Monday have higher ambitions for Omnipork. They recently had a funding round in September this year, raising another 70 million US dollars, which is the largest funding round for any plant-based producer in Asia. However, its private valuation was not disclosed. As far as I know, they don't have any plans to IPO anytime soon. So this is on your watch list for this area if they do go public? Absolutely. If they ever go public, I will definitely consider it for my own portfolio. Actually, one of the recent investors in that funding round was the Swire Group, which is a huge conglomerate in Hong Kong. The Swire Group also owned the airline Cafe Pacific, which started offering Omnipork meals on their flights earlier last year. So this investment may suggest further collaboration between Green Monday and Cafe Pacific, and also with the Swire Group's commercial property business. I guess airlines and commercial property are all in big trouble still, but maybe Omnipork are well positioned for the end of the pandemic. So it sounds like you're really positive on Green Monday, Albert. Anything else to share before we start to bring this together and try and give some advice for listeners? Yes, I think Green Monday has a good reputation in Hong Kong. It works with schools, restaurants and corporations to promote sustainable living. And Green Monday was actually named by Fortune in their 2020 Change the World list. It was ranked number 32. And it was also named a sustainable food influencer by the World Wildlife Fund in Hong Kong. That's great. Sounds like they're cementing a good reputation. Definitely one to watch if they announce plans to go public. So what would you advise people to do if they're interested in investing in plant-based meat? Yeah, I guess there are so many different names on the shelves of supermarkets at the moment, but there are only a few companies you can invest in. And that's why I'm invested in Beyond Meat right now. I think as a consumer, I'm keeping an eye on the range of products available and what seems to be selling. And actually I'm using my own green Monday, Tuesdays and Wednesdays to try a range of these products and try and find the ones that I like. There are literally hundreds of startups producing these new alternative products protein products like plant-based meats and cultured meat, but most of them are privately owned and it's likely to be massive consolidation in the market over the coming years as larger companies buy up smaller companies to add their products to their product range. We talked a bit about the difference between cultured meat and plant-based meat. I think I kind of see plant-based as being a bit of a stepping stone towards the ultimate answer of cultured meat, but does your view agree with that? No, I don't think so. I think they are products that can coexist and offer consumers a wider range of choice. And also vegans and vegetarians may not want to eat cultured meat anyway, and there will always be a market for plant-based meat. Yeah, I had an interesting conversation with a couple of vegan friends recently, and they're bringing their daughter up to be vegan. And we talked about cultured meat and whether that would be acceptable. But actually, I think they're mostly adopting veganism for its health benefits as well as ethics. So even if you take away the ethical conundrum of growing meat instead of rearing it, they still would stay away from non-plant-based products. So as we bring this to an end, what are the key takeaways for this? Food technology is improving rapidly and we're trying to find better and more cost-effective ways to feed the world's population as it grows. Yeah, and problems like climate change and animal welfare concerns are causing more and more young people to think about what they're eating and to choose lifestyles that are healthier, not just for them, but also for the planet. Recent improvements to plant-based meat 
allow closer imitations to real meat than ever before. Long gone are the days when a dry vegetarian burger might taste like cardboard. Thank God for that. And cultured meat is another innovation that's starting to appear that has the potential to change the way we eat even more. It's a wide space with lots of products on the shelf, but not many you can invest in today. So I think we're quite ahead of this investment mega trend, but definitely it's an area to watch in the future. And if you're interested in finding out more about the alternative protein market, we can recommend a few resources. One is the Green Queen oat protein newsletter which you can subscribe to and the other is a book called clean meat by a guy called paul shapiro well that's all for this week thanks for listening if there's a future topic you'd like us to cover you can message us on twitter i'm at luke telescope and i'm at albert telescope or you can email us at feedback at telescopeinvesting.com if you enjoyed this episode you can also find more content at our website telescopeinvesting.com where you can leave us a comment or a review and if this is your first time tuning in perhaps consider subscribing to the website so you're the first to hear about new articles and episodes as they drop thanks albert thanks luke This podcast is for general information and is not a recommendation to act. Please seek independent investment advice before entering into any financial transaction. Entering into a transaction that involves securities or derivatives puts your capital at risk. Luke and Albert are not regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority or the Hong Kong Monetary Authority, and the companies mentioned in this podcast may be held personally by us. We can't be held responsible or liable for any action taken by a listener. And as ever, past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. Thanks and happy investing.